0: You're listening to the D.C. Real Estate Podcast, the podcast where we focus exclusively on all things local to the DMV area, local investors, local knowledge, local experts. Our journey starts now.
1: Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in again. My name is Russell Brazil. I'm an associate broker with Arlo Real Estate. This week, we're going to continue our uh, conversation from last week with Ron Gallagher and Dr. Joe Asamoa. Last week's episode was running super long, so we just decided to cut it up into two episodes. So here's the continuation of that conversation.
0: So speaking of that, so it's my understanding that the it's the DC Housing Authority. Who's mm-hmm. paying the? Yeah, so the DC Housing Authority s- sets the rent based on the number of bedrooms and the neighborhood, right? Mm-hmm. So, are there neighborhoods that, like, let's say a, this, a five bedroom mm-hmm. is five hundred thousand dollars in Kingman Park? Mm-hmm. I, I'm just throwing these out here. I don't know if these are real numbers, but that same definitely five bedroom, definitely not a real number. <laughs> okay, but that same five bedroom is eight hundred thousand in Columbia Heights. Okay. Yeah, maybe my numbers are too oh, low. Yeah. I'm uh, talking
2: about, I'm talking about, price. Pri- I'm
0: talking about when you're, bu- when you're oh, looking to buy a house.
2: Price. Acquisition price I
0: means. Exactly. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Because right. if, yeah. if, if, if the, price. the housing authority has set the rent at 5462 in both Columbia Heights and, and Eckington and sure. Kingman Park, yeah. whatever, yeah. Yeah. then, you would want to buy in Kingman Park because if the acquisition price is lower exactly. and the rents are the same, so would you be able to divulge what neighborhoods that um, <laughs> inequity I, is? I, I don't
2: want to divulge.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was just curious, <laughs> no, no, but
2: this is how it works, okay? Uh, yeah, I think I, I mean I train people on this stuff. I have a joint venture program whereby we I show, I show people what I do, and and they can look over my shoulders. And they can replicate what I do because as a, when, it, when you get 5, 10, 15, 20 applications per house, okay, you need to be in that room when you offer that home to somebody. The joy, the excitement, the happiness, you know, uh, it's a dream come true. And it's a very nice feeling when you know that you're doing good, and uh, helping the family. Now, the flip side to that, you need to be in that room when I making that call to the other 14 people. <laughs> Okay. I'm saying, I'm sorry. I've already got my
1: house. And as, as a real estate agent, I am constantly letting people down. And so I, I feel that pain. Yeah. I, I'm not necessarily doing it with tenants, doing it with potential buyers a yeah. lot. Um, yeah. Cause um, it, on my rentals, I usually get two or three applicants. I, I usually don't get 15 or 20 like you're getting.
2: Yeah. It's crushing because they are tired. I mean, I, I gave this, I, let me give this, this story. Uh, one of my, uh, tenants now, um, I, I, as part of my screening process, I go to the people's homes. Okay. That's because that's, I want to see how they keep their home because how they keep the home today is how my house is going to be in three months. So as part of the home visit, she lived in Co- uh, Congress Heights in Southeast and uh, a pretty rough neighborhood. Okay. A rough part of Congress. And she said, uh, look, don't judge me by what's outside because I can't control this neighborhood. Okay. Judge me by what's inside my house. And her house is spotless, immaculate, the kids are well-behaved, and so on. She said, my biggest fear, I hate living here, my biggest fear is that my kids will get killed on the way home from school. Okay, shot, killed. So that's what's on her mind every single day, living there. And uh, she's just tired of it. She just wants an opportunity. So it's great when you offer that person the chance to move to a better area. Now, the other side is, you're calling her and say, I'm sorry. I don't have anything, so I'm sorry. You're going to have to stay here still. Okay? Tough luck. Yeah, but so
1: you're, it's not just the letdown of, oh, you didn't get this house. It's the letdown of a lifestyle getting out of that type of community yes. into a better one. But game. if
0: you've already identified her as a tier one mm-hmm. tenant, do you have, like, a Dr. Joe waiting list? Like, here's a standby list. Well, like, uh, t- in two weeks, I'll have a, this well, other rehab this done. I say. I'm
2: going to teach.
1: Russell, I'm going to teach. Everybody, how would I do? I mean, it's
2: okay. Uh, you know, I, I don't. I have yeah. Mind so tell
1: up. us about the the joint venture program. Yeah. Where people can find out information about this. Because
2: what I realize is that the best way to learn real the best way to do real estate, okay, is it's not to watch YouTube videos all day or to read a book. It's to do a deal. Oh, what's? I mean, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's to do a deal. Okay. That, I mean, you learn so much by doing it. Okay. And the next best thing, in my opinion, is to look over the shoulders of somebody else who's successfully doing what it is that you want to do. Okay. So, uh, and so therein lies the, the, the premise of the JB program. If people believe in what I do, they understand what I do, and they want to do what I do, then the best way to do it is to see how I do it. Hmm. And to real time, you know, uh, look over the shoulders uh, as I go through this project from start to finish. So on the Brooklyn house, you know, we have like, uh, you know, 15 or a number of people who are looking over my shoulders as we do this transaction. They see everything the good, the bad, the ugly. Okay.
1: And there is bad and there is ugly. Oh, my goodness.
2: There's every, I mean, things go wrong. You get contractors who, you know, things, I mean, what happens behind this wall when you take it down? You know, you see stuff that you don't want to see and stuff that you want to see is not there. Now what? Okay.
0: That's why I don't take down walls
1: cuz I don't know. Yeah, we get we get a flip, we get a <laughs> flip going on in Brentwood right now with DMV fluffers, and um yeah. You know, look like pretty straightforward. Well, next thing you know, we're jackhammering up the the basement floor to get water management systems in that we yeah, didn't exactly. expect needed to go in. You
2: get all kind of uh things that you don't expect to see. But the problem is you bought the house. It's your house yeah. now. You got to deal with it, okay? And uh and, and I think it's it's not it's it's, it's not Right of me to sugarcoat that. I think it's important that you see uh, this is what this is the real world. Okay, it's not your HGTV programs where you buy a house at ten o'clock at ten thirty it's done. Everyone's all smiles. You know, you you run through problems, and these are not so. It's that you run through problems, but how does Doctor Joe? What are the options, and why did he choose option B instead of A, or option C instead of B? Why? Because you may run into those scenarios yourself. At least you have some context. So that's the whole idea is that P, I, I think that people will learn more by looking over my shoulder as we execute and, and therefore give them the encouragement and motivation because, it, uh, you know, to actually go out there and do it themselves. And uh, what I found is that this always happens in, in the JV program. When people start, they say, ah, well, you know, Dr. Joe, you know, you can do this. I can't do this. I'm, I'm just a new investor. But as they go through, at some point, you know, everyone's different. It clicks. It clicks. I get it. I get this. Okay. <laughs> because you, once you get over that psychological hurdle, then you can then go to the next thing. I can, let's, let's see how I can do it. Well, I don't have any money or <laughs> well, I don't have any contractors or whatever. But you've got over that psychological hurdle of I can do this. Okay. And that's when we go to the next step. It's it putting all those other pieces. So the idea is that by looking over my shoulders, it gives them the motivation to actually go out there and execute.
1: And yeah. So it's giving them the motivation and hey, see, seeing- it's not as hard as people think, but you do have to face adversity. Mm-hmm. Understanding how to push through the adversity yes. is such an important skill. Yes. And really does right sift out in any kind of business whether it's real estate or anything. It's going to sift out how you deal with when things go wrong yes. is going to s- show whether you succeed or not. In, in I think business. that's absolutely right, right.
0: because we it, what we're doing is not rocket science, you know. It's whether you'd have the wherewithal to see it all through.
1: But some, like some clients, um, so here's a good example. Um, I remember soon after you bought that house on 14th street, Ron, your HVAC died. Well, you got it fixed. No big deal, right? Whatever. But I have other clients, um, and maybe my wife, um, who when the HVAC goes out, um, have complete meltdowns. Yeah. It was
0: $3,000, and now I have a new HVAC that will last me 15 years. Right. and you know. But whatever. some
1: people, for whatever reason, can't get past that psychological barrier of when stuff goes wrong, fix it and move on. Yeah. It doesn't need to be the end of the world. Because in the end, you're going to get rich anyway, so who really cares? Yeah. Well, <laughs>
2: well, if you can survive, yeah. yeah. So.
0: <laughs> right. so the other thing I like about your JV program is that it's happening now. You're doing it this year. A lot of, like... Teachers or gurus or teaching a, a program that worked like 20 years ago but doesn't work in today's market. Exactly. What I like is that you're doing it right now. Yeah, you
2: see it. You see it. You see this ugly duckling being transformed to a beautiful swan. Uh, but but we go all the way through to where you you know, how do you find a tenant? How do you screen a tenant? How do you navigate the section eight bureaucracy? And how do you move and manage that relationship? Uh that's part one. Part two is if you're a new investor, you don't have contractors. You may not have a lender. You may not have a team. Okay. So, and uh, you may not have systems. So, the idea is to leverage my, my relationships. Okay. My team, my members, my contractors, you know, my relationships such that you can go further, faster. So, so you don't have to recreate the wheel. That's the second part. There's the education part. And then it's sort of the team, which a lot of people don't have on day one, but they can leverage my.
0: That's a good point. I call it the Rolodex. Like, okay, I have like three plumbers (laughs) in my Rolodex. And then as like a contractor starts charging me more and more unfairly, then I'm like, all right, now I'll move this next guy up. Or if a plumber isn't reliable, you know, then you move them up. But
1: Right. And you could be using a contractor for five years who's been great. But contractors are people, right? Right. They might have.
0: They always have that little creep in price. Right.
1: That's going to happen. But like. They may go off the ledge and suddenly become a drug addict and be a terrible contractor someday, right? So you do have to be able to pivot away as people's situations change. So like, having, yeah. like you say, the Rolodex. Yeah. Um, yeah. And people just starting out don't have a Rolodex at all, no, so okay.
0: it becomes even more yeah. intimidating. Not only intimidating. you, not only are you learning all this yeah. stuff for the first time. Now yeah. you've got to come up with an electrician, a plumber, yeah. a pest exactly. management person. Yeah. A,
2: yeah, I mean, on the way here, uh, while I was driving up here, you know, I was speaking to one of the students and he just bought his house. In fact, we're shadowing him on this JV program, program. So, so the idea is that the, the, the premise is that, uh, we have a new investor who went through a program and now had bought a house. Okay. So they're their first house. And so on this program, we have two other people who are doing the same thing. So this program, you're seeing my project we are also seeing some new investors as they go through their first project. OK, so if you're a new investor, this investor who's buying their first house, is really just one step ahead of you. OK, so all the fears, concerns, intrepidation that this person has, you can connect with that. OK, and you can see this person doing it. So it gives you that confidence and motivation to say, OK, well, if this guy can do it, then, you know, you know, maybe I can do this as well. Uh, and that's how it's so, so I mean, so I said the whole idea is I I wanted to show people what I do And so we can replicate this model And so they can make money But also they can do good you know, I mean, I, I have a lot of houses I don't need any more houses uh, But I just buy it because I enjoy it uh, But I think what I want to do Is to uh, Let me give you this story I always got so many stories good one.
1: You're good with stories, yeah
2: I was talking to my mother Okay, my mother, okay, about a couple of, two or three years ago, she was telling me, Joseph, why are you doing this? W- why? Why? You know, cause, I mean, to her, like, you know, two houses, like, okay, that's enough. <laughs> you know, why are you buying so many houses? When is enough enough? When is enough You know, I mean, she's a typical mother. When is enough enough? Why don't you just stop and, you know.
0: I think it's a great question. When is enough when is enough? Them?
2: enough Yeah, it's a, it's a very legitimate question. From her perspective, She was she, she was confused as to why I'm doing this. You know, and uh, and so I I thought about that, and there was a time where I said I don't need to do any more. I have enough. I mean, I've got the cash flow coming through. I've got the uh, the equity bill. I've got all that stuff. I don't need to do any more. But then I thought about it and said, well, maybe it's a walt way of thinking. But this lady who lives in Congress Heights, okay, if it wasn't because of me, she wouldn't be able to get out of her environment. Okay, so if if I stop. Who's going to address her situation? Okay. And, uh, I, you know, uh, who? You know, uh, nobody. So it's kind of selfish for me to stop. I mean,
0: Maybe it's a walkway thinking. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I mean, but
0: those people need you to buy more. They need you to buy more.
2: Yeah. They buy, and, and they need me to train people, Ron, uh, you know, uh, Russell, how to do this because who's going to do it? Yeah. You know, so that was my self justification as to why I should continue.
0: <laughs> so, how many houses do you own right now?
2: Oh God! <laughs> have you I lost track? Case, it's, it's, it's over thirty five.
0: That's crazy, and and I know that in when you have the tier one tenants being a property manager is I
2: manage all these properties myself.
0: That's crazy. I don't have a property manager. So, how, so even though you have tier one tenants and they're in, in, in general better than your average you tenant, you're still going to have drama, no, right? So,
1: there's still, still people.
0: So, how do you handle just that enormous amount of tenants?
1: It's pretty
2: straightforward, really. The key to my success is the screening. Okay. If you can screen well, okay, then. That's a big uh, problem that's taken off your plate. That's number one. Number two is, I realized that there are two assets in this business. Most investors see it as one asset. Most investors, it's about the physical asset, which is the real estate. That is the asset, okay? We have to protect that asset, okay? Because that's what's gonna build us wealth. What I realized is that there's a second asset, And that is the human asset, the tenant. Okay? Because if you can take care of that asset, because the the human asset can destroy the physical asset. We agree with that, don't we? Mm -hmm. So if you have uh, if you take care of the human asset, they're more happy to take and protect the physical asset. Okay? So therefore, it's all about that. Okay? It's about making sure I screen well, but once they're in my home, making sure that I treat them so well, they're not even thinking about going to your house wrong. Okay. They're not even considering leaving. Okay. That's where the Mother's Day gifts come in. Every Mother's Day, I give them bouquets of flowers, Christmas presents, uh, free vacations, 50 bucks to the kids when they do. I mean, that's where this part comes in. It's making sure that they know that I treasure them. They know that, uh, what's it called, uh, I'm doing the right thing, and therefore they're going to do the right thing, and so on. So you, 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 all the drama that you ordinarily would get, okay, you don't have. Okay. And so, uh, so I take care of them in such a way that uh, you know, it's in their interest to take care of my property. And I, I mean, I don't physically, I mean, I, have, I used to manage all these properties myself. But now I have a, 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 an assistant uh, because I couldn't find a management company that did it my way. They, they, there's no management company that goes to people's homes to screen. Uh, there's no management company that gives bouquets of flowers or Christmas presents or kids free vacation. No management company does that. So I couldn't find anybody. And when I did, I used, when I started out, I did have some management company. I tried it out. It just didn't work. After a right. year or two, they'll leave and you'll have that revolving door all the time. And it wasn't working. So the only way to make it work was to do it my way. And I trained an assistant to do it my way. And that's how we do it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So this is what, uh, what I call ethical landlording. Um, I don't know if you label what you do anything it, 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 with a particular name. It's a
2: good but, business.
1: <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, so many landlords out there are kind of scumbags, right? They're slumlords. They do not view, they view their tenants as below them. No. So I view my tenants are, are, they are my customers. I am providing a product to them. Exactly. I want to provide the best product to them. I want to provide the best customer service to them. And like any business, if I am providing a good product and good customer service, my customers are generally going to pay their bills, right, which is their rent. They're generally going to treat the product nicely. Um, they are going to have good relationships with me. So many landlords out there, as we kind of joked once, Ron, that like, the word landlord is a little like um non-pc these days being the lord of the land right. right and so i i view myself as a business that is providing a product and that product is housing i want it to be the best that it can be exactly. um you're taking it even another step for, further um you're celebrating their birthdays um i i love this you give them a weekend uh in at your shenandoah yeah. valley yeah. condo yeah
2: yeah yeah well, i mean yeah. So, uh, what I realized, just thought like you said, um, if you have a good customer, forget the tenant label, a good customer, you, it's cheaper to keep an existing customer happy than it is to go find another
1: one. It's That's 10 right. in gen, in business in yeah. general, it's 10 times more expensive yeah. to acquire a new customer exactly. than to retain an exactly. existing one.
2: So it's 10 times more expensive to have a turnover than it is to keep your existing tenant there. Okay. That's what I realized. And therefore, I had to uh, make sure that I, because I don't want turnover. I just don't. It's very, very expensive. I mean, it's, especially with a single family, because it's, it's feast or famine. You either get your rent or you get zero.
1: Yeah. Okay. And, and when we're talking about properties with three, $4,000 mortgage payments, it's yes, yes, a exactly. lot of money.
2: It's a lot of money. So each, each turnover is really costing you minimum two months. Lost income, possibly up to three months after you take out the repairs,
1: uh, lost income, you know, the repainting run, uh, the whole pay, place, yeah, you go,
2: all that stuff. When you add it all up together, including your time, you get well. two months of
1: misrand of 5,000. That's 10 grand 10K. plus the turnover cost. We're talking $15,000 on a turnover. Easily. And, uh, so
2: it's very, it's so all the cash flow that you make every month gets completely wiped out when there's a turnover in the single family space. And so you, it's not sustainable business model. If you have a regular revol- revolving door of tenants, it's just not a sustainable bit. You, you think you're making money, but you're really not making anything. Okay. And, and so that's where I realized that I had to have zero turnover. So when I'm choosing people, I'm, I mean, I'm looking for a 10, 15 year relationship. Uh, that's the screening. Okay. So, and if you speak to these tier one voucher holders, that is music to their ears. They don't want to leave. They're tired of living in bad areas, you know,
1: they live someplace for two or three years landlord tells them to get out cause they're selling the property. Yeah. Or
2: um, what's it called? Or the guy next door is got shot at. Yeah. And so they don't want their kids to be in that environment. So they have to go. Uh, and so, so it, it's, it's, uh, it's extremely stressful for them. And so when I tell them that, look, my, I'm looking for the world's greatest tenant because I'm the world's greatest landlord. Mm-hmm. I'm looking for a tenant that's going to be here at least 10 years. Okay. I mean, to a market renter that you think, whatever, 10 years, I'm not staying here for 10 years, pay $4,000. <laughs> <Are> you crazy? <laughs> 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 Hell no. Uh, but for a voucher holder, it's like, whoa, at last, you know, we got stability,
1: stability in an awesome neighborhood most of the time. Exactly. Yeah.
2: So it's, it's a different perspective because it's, it's, it's taking that, understand who your customer is, uh, taking the time to understand who they are, what they're looking for what they are not looking for, where do they want to live, where do they not want to live, who do they want to rent from, who do they not. It's taking the time, and this again, this is just business. Uh, and then you can create a product, and you can nurture that relationship with your customer such that uh, you know you don't have that turnover that other landlords have. And that's essentially the gist of this business.
0: What's your common, what would you say your average length of a tenant stay would be? Are we talking decades? Are we talking 10, 15 years?
2: No, I think I'm averaging it right now. We did the math uh, last year, like seven and a half years. That's crazy. Yeah. It's about seven and a half years. So, which means that we have people way over that. We have the new ones, obviously. They're less than sure. month
0: And But on uh, average. Yeah. And like, I'd
1: like, say, um, so... My tenants who are typically market rate in my single families typically stay about four years, so yours are staying typically twice as long as my tenants,
2: yeah. But the rents I'm charging are higher, yeah. You know, these are people who are staying for seven years, seven and a half years at three, four, five, six thousand dollars.
1: And I think one of the interesting t- things too with the Section 8 strategy, um that really lends itself to the ability of you with the help you've hired to sort of self-manage is the fact that it is guaranteed rent and it's being direct deposited to you, right? So you're probably spending less time chasing down rent, um, less evictions, um, just less overall time on if accounting.
2: You, yeah, it, it can. Okay, I, that's why I want to make sure that I don't sugarcoat You still it.
1: have to collect their portion. No, you, you it's all about – That's all true if you have a good tenant. Yeah, And they're not all good. Now, if you don't have a good tenant,
2: then it's all better off. You may not collect your rent from your tenant. Okay, I mean, the the Section A portion is guaranteed. That's going to come regardless, come what may. As long as they're in your home, they're going to be there. But you may not have a tenant who's going to protect your investment by taking care of it. Uh, You may not have a tenant who, uh, you know, Drama, 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 drama. You know, you know, there's people that drama just follows them,
1: and the drama is not worth any dollar amount. It, it's,
2: no, it's not. That's what I'm saying. So it's this is where the screening comes in because now I, I'm gonna, I have a course. We're going to put a course on, on screening, turn temp screen, turn screen in mansion. That's going to be the next one we're going to do probably in March sometime. But that's the key. You mess up on that, it's it's not good. And then, let me just say this one. All what I'm doing collapses, absolutely collapses if I don't do it right on the screen. Because I'm buying houses in six, seven, eight hundred thousand, nine hundred thousand dollar neighborhoods. Okay. With homeowners who are paid six, seven, eight hundred thousand to live there. They are not going to be welcoming of my social experiment. If I'm bringing gangsters, hoodlums, drama, chaos, they're gonna say, "Hey, we don't buy. We didn't. We didn't spend eight hundred thousand to to be a, a guinea pig in your experiment. Get these people out of here." <laughs> okay, okay. So that's the key. You see, it, it's it, it, if you screen right and do it right, get a tier one tenant. It's a win win for everybody. Okay, but if you mess up on that one, then this whole business model collapses because your neighbors aren't gonna put up with this thing, and they're gonna call all kind of people on you. Yeah, I
1: mean, you really can't hammer home the tenant screening better because um i'll tell you every I, I feel like every new investor goes through this and i absolutely did when i bought one of my, uh, my first couple of properties um i was so scared of having to pay that mortgage payment without the rent coming in that and i think everyone's done this we've put a subpar tenant into the right, property you just the first person yeah. because you're new because you're so scared right and it it's a disaster every time i've done it i'm sure everyone, everyone listening has, has done it, it. Um, don't be afraid of going another month. Yes, it's it's only that one month mortgage. I promise you, you will get a good tenant. But when you're new to it, but you're you, just you gotta
0: hold out, and you're also not in the financial position like. I could let something go vacant for a couple of months and be like, ah, oh, that's fine. No big deal now. Right now. But right. When you're just starting
1: out, sure. you're, you know, you're number, you're just trying to make those numbers to make sure. it work. Yeah, but Maybe I'm telling you, you've bucks. got this asset worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. yeah. Whatever that mortgage payment is, yeah. thousand, two thousand, three thousand, let it go vacant. Get yeah. the right tenant. Yeah. Um, cause what's going to happen is sure. you're going to be stuck with this jerk. Um, and you're going to have to evict him at some point. And, sure. and, you know, um, I did my last eviction, um, maybe three years ago, and it was a tenant I had for about eight years. And I should not have put that tenant in in the, in, in the initial time. They were terrible on my mental health for eight years, just dealing with their BS and their drama. Um, and if I just, and I think my mortgage on that was like, I don't know, $1,500, right? If I just let that go vacant for another month, got the next tenant that, Fifteen hundred dollar loss for that one month would have saved me eight years of headaches. Well,
2: yeah, it's, sometimes it's cheaper. It is always it's cheaper to have a to have a vacant house
1: than it is to have the wrong tenant.
0: So we're talking about vacancies, which normally isn't that big of an issue in DC, but uh, and deadbeat tenants and stuff. So during the pandemic, I had about five deadbeat tenants. Russell fared a little bit better. How did you survive the pandemic from a landlord perspective?
1: Zero turnover. Uh, because with a voucher holder, yeah, hit, we're yeah, typically not yeah. worried about losing our jobs because they're already on yeah. assistance.
0: Yeah. So, so,
2: uh, yeah. So answer your uh, question directly. The rent is in two parts. There's the housing authority por- portion and there's a the tenant portion. The housing po- authority portion, that's clockwork. It comes what come up So 100%,
0: you've got all the government money. All
2: the government. I've had, I mean, I've been doing this for section eight for at least 20, Probably 28, 30 years. Okay. There has never been a month, never, ever, whereby they didn't pay. As long as there's a tenant's in there, they're going to, that money is coming to your account. Government shut down or no government shut down, that money is hitting your account. So that's a very reliable stream. So the other portion is the tenant portion. Now in a downturn, uh, or what we go through COVID is that people lose their jobs. Uh, the economy hits them. Okay. So when people lose their job, the difference is that and this is, I've had this, this it's, it's, it's a horrible conversation to have when you have a great tenant who loses their job. That is a horrible conversation because they're good people. They just can't pay, <laughs> okay? Uh, but with a voucher holder, if they lose their jobs, because their rent is based on their income, if they lost, lose their job, then their income goes down. So they go to the housing authority and their rent gets adjusted. Okay. So if the rent, well, this is, is this is, this is obviously say the total rent is $3,500. $3,000 comes from the housing authority and 500 comes from the tenant. Okay. And so, and that 500 is based on their income. So if their income goes down, then they're going to go to the housing authority and the housing authority may reduce their rent from 500. So they say 200. So they're now paying 200 and their portion the housing authority now goes up to thirty three hundred to offset the difference. Okay, so I'm still getting thirty five. It's just that the allocation is, is 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 different. So, uh so you're not so. Uh, it it doesn't matter. It's recession proof. That's that's the bottom line. It doesn't matter if they lose their jobs or not.
0: Now, do you need the tenant to go to the housing authority if they lose their job? They
2: will go because they're they're going to get their rent go down.
0: Because part of the problem, well, that's true.
2: I mean, who's who's not going to?
1: So do they're incentivized because they're gonna they're gonna make yeah, out yeah. better, exactly. Because
0: I mean, part of the problem with these rental assistance programs, like when I was trying to recoup the money for the deadbeat tenants, it all of them, without exception, involves the tenant doing something. Doing something. Yeah. So, but there's no incentive necessarily. I mean, other than if they don't want to see me in court later. But you know, well, it was
2: believe me. Look, if you're a, a tenant. And all you gotta do is go down to the housing officer in an hour, uh, your rent's gonna go from five hundred to two hundred and fifty. There aren't a whole lot and you are on uh fixed income, low income, okay, where fifty dollars is a big deal to you. Okay, now's a chance to get your rent reduced from five hundred to two fifty. Ninety nine point nine nine percent is gonna go down there. Now the flip side is 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 the problem. Uh the flip side is not not problem, is that if their income goes up, they may take their time, <laughs> yeah, you know, to go out to the housing authority. But who? Cares? You don't care. I don't care, right? But they, they, they—they're they, not going to be the rush.
0: <laughs> so, the fact that you knew—the fact that you knew the numbers for the average tenancy for your tenants—you may be, you may know the answer to this question: What percentage would you say of your gross rents comes from the government versus the tenant self-paying?
2: Spread over. I mean, I do have some market. Not all my tenants of, uh, are, are voucher holders, but the vast majority are. Uh, out of the voucher holders, uh, let's have a look. I would say it varies. I would say on average, it's around. Let's uh, this is, this is an average rent of four thousand bucks, because mm-hmm. some are, are higher. Some of most of them are higher than though. But on an average rent of forty five hundred bucks, um, probably the average. Portion
1: of the tenant is about 500 bucks. So it's a, uh, a 90-10 split probably. Yeah, it's, right a, about. It's,
2: it's a pretty steep. Uh, let's just say, let's just take the 80-20 rule. Yeah. Okay. Let's just say that, you know, through so 80% of the rent is from the house authority. 20% is from the tenant. Yeah. So I know that 80% of my income is coming through regardless.
0: Right. That's what I'd I want that portion to be as high as possible. <laughs> so that's exactly. great. So that's
2: why when you scream, it's pretty sad, but... It, when you're screening for a market renter, your FICO score and your income, your job, is the key. If you don't have a job, you're not I assume you're not gonna rent to them.
0: Yeah? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. If they were like a Bitcoin millionaire, <laughs> well, maybe.
2: Just, uh, okay, so I I guess get Russell. <laughs> hey Russell, I love your place. Uh, I don't have a
1: job right now. Yeah. Uh, in, in, <laughs> income and uh, income and credit score. Well scores. here's the question.
0: Do you see their portion? And would you favor a, a tenant, all things being equal, would you favor a tenant that doesn't have a job but has a higher proportion of their rent being well, paid by the government? Yeah. I'd rather pick that person over well, the person that, that has that, a that, job.
2: That, that, that's 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 You hit the nail on the head, okay? That's the big difference between when you're screening for a market renter and screening for a voucher holder. If you're screening for a market renter, FICO and, uh, and income is the absolute key. Okay. Because you make a mistake there, you're dead. Okay. On a, on a, on a,
0: on a voucher holder,
2: it's not so important. You know, it doesn't matter if they don't have a job.
0: Say the truth. Uh, I would think you'd almost want them not to have income.
2: Well, I we'll won't go that far,
0: <laughs> but all uh, things equal. Wouldn't you prefer well, the person that has more government pay?
2: Well, uh, you know, you got to do a whole social policy stuff right? <laughs> that kicks in. I don't want to get into that. <laughs> yeah. To say but that, definitely,
1: the
0: guaranteed rent is a plus. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. I would be like, oh, you have a job and you have to pay $500 yourself? Forget you, you. I'm going to go get this guy that only pays $100. So, uh, no, that's, so that's, what Ron's getting at, at that is dur- that that
2: go with it.
1: during the pandemic, Ron has had a few subpar tenants. Yeah, maybe it's bitter.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Ron's had a few non paying tenants during all of this. Yeah, I didn't
2: have that issue uh, with that. Uh, spread over all those properties over this period of time. I didn't, you know, it, it, my income stream is pretty reliable. And and that's, again, that's been, after going, I'm doing this, having gone through four cycles. I've been through four of these things before, okay? And so I've been through what you're going through, where you got a great tenant who can't pay you, okay? Or in, in DC, you got a great tenant who doesn't want to pay you. You know, now what, okay? And now you got to deal with the whole landlord-tenant laws, uh, which are skewed in the tenant's favor. I've had to deal with all that stuff and that's why I said it's not a sustainable, I need reliability of income. Okay, if I'm going to take on all this debt, okay, I need to have a very, very stable income stream that I I know is going to hit my account every month come what may. So I know that 80% of my money is coming into my account every month come what may as long as that person is in the house and therefore to me that is a business model I can then start, I can work around. You know, if I have to sort of say, Oh my God, I hope that COVID, this guy doesn't lose his job because of COVID or whatever it is. Whatever. Because I'll tell you at the,
1: at the beginning of COVID, um, I had that fear. I was like, Oh my God, yeah. all of my tenants are going to stop paying. And so I did proactively uh, email every single one of my tenants and said uh, something along the lines of, and I was again, good customer service is where I always want to say, you know, be coming from. So I emailed them all like, Hey, I'm not trying to pressure you or insinuate anything. I just want to know ahead of time, if you believe you are going to have trouble paying the rent, please let me know so that I can plan accordingly. Um, so I just know what my financial situation is because I got to p- still pay these mortgages. Um, and what was interesting was every single, every single person replied to me, all of them except for one said, Oh no, we, we were just working from home. Our job is good, and I had one guy. Um, he was a bartender. He's like, I'm not going to be working. Uh, I just want to let you know, and I'll update you as you know as I know. And the, I think the first month he still paid his rent, and then when we got to month two and three, was, this was during the lockdowns, he couldn't get on unemployment really because he was a bartender, so he wasn't reporting a lot of his income, um, and so he let me know up front, and I said, all right. What can we do to – because I also don't want to turn the place over. Guy's been a good tenant for a long time. So we cut his rent in half for two months. Um, he was ecstatic. He loved me for this. Um, and then when things got back up and running, he started working, paid his rent. But for the simple discount of giving him 50% off his rent for two months, um, that guy has been unbelievably happy. Can't say you know enough nice things about me. I'm also in a position where I was much happier because, A, it didn't go completely vacant. Yeah. A, I, I didn't pressure – like, if you're putting too much pressure on these guys, they might just not pay at all, right? If you're an asshole to them, maybe they say, he can't evict me. I'm not going to pay at all. But he still paid half his rent. Um, yeah. So it worked out very well for me. A little bit better than it worked out for, for you, Ron.
2: Yeah, it's, 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 it's very scary, yeah. uh, <laughs> downturns. Because uh, I've seen guys who are doing great in the uptime. When the
1: We're all geniuses turns, in the bull market.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's when it turns that I see guys go bankrupt,
1: guys. I mean, you know,
2: just failed, and uh, it's it's you know, uh, it, it's it's not a pretty sight, a downturn, and uh, and so it's a very sobering experience, and so you realize that you are fallible, and all this stuff about you know long term, you know, wealth building collapses when you can't pay a mortgage.
0: So let me ask you a question. You have a lot of properties and you're pretty well insulated, so this probably won't affect you so much. But let's say you are a new investor with your JV program. Do you have any concern at all that the government might one day say, you know, this experiment to have Section 8 housing in Georgetown and Columbia Heights and Eckington and, you know, west of the river. Absolutely Do you have no concern that the government Is going to one day say you know this didn't work out no, we did, it, We're we going to The reason
2: why I say I have zero concern about that Is that they've been saying that for 30 years, years I've been doing this And it never happens regardless of administration Whether it's Republican or Democrat Secondly this is the more important one It is cheaper Absolutely cheaper To give me $5,000 Than it is to have a family of seven homeless Pure numbers Okay, it's cheaper because those people are here. They're going to have to go somewhere. Okay, someone's going to have to pay them. There's, there are costs associated with you know either social costs or whatever it is. So it's cheaper for them to give me the money where I can provide quality housing than it is to have them homeless.
0: Right, but lawmakers don't always understand that. Just like with rent control, well, it, it always I, ends negatively. If there
1: was ever a chance of that happening, it would have happened with the last administration. Exactly. And they didn't even, it, there was not even any talk it, of it. It's not going it to happen. Uh, we're not going to move further conservative in government policy than what would, the other than, option, the, yeah. than what just happened. The other option is the
2: government takes over the housing. Okay. Projects. And they've tried that before. You know, that and, that's been a, <laughs> and that's been an absolute it, it, disaster. It, it, disaster. So it's, it's cheaper to, to incentivize private landlords, uh, you know, to take on these families. Than it is for the government to do it themselves. And also, it's just cheaper. I mean, you know, I mean, there, I mean, uh, I'll speak to one of my families, families, my tenants, okay, about three or four months ago, I think, I think it was, yeah. Just by, she was in one of my homes. Just by her living in my house, okay, two of her kids have got a full ride to go to college. A full ride to go to college, okay just by her being in a better neighborhood, better neighbors, better schools, and the kids being in a better environment, okay? This is what, we, this is, you know, we want to bring it all together, okay? This is what's happening here. When you provide what I do, which is a, a good product in a tier one neighborhood, where you give these families, who, you know, who really have to cut through the chase, so really they're really no different than your kids, or my kids, or whatever it is, they're just looking for, a, 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 they just don't have any money. That's, that's the main difference. Okay, but they have the same aspirations and the same sort of uh, desires of their family, their children, the they have all that stuff. They just don't have the opportunity. And so when you give them that chance, you know, I'm not saying it's for all of them, but I was just having this, I mean, I just have these conversations with my tenants. I mean, I spend time with them, um, you know, where you just sit down and get to know them, you know, and, you know, when you cut through the facade, they're really just regular folks and, uh, the same concerns that everybody else has. And they're just looking for a chance and looking for somebody to give them an opportunity. And that's what's going on. You, you get full rise to go to college. You get kids going to school, uh, you know, better themselves, better their, you know, it's, 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 it's a very, no, I'm not, not saying all, they all do that. I'm just saying that, what's it called? It's very
1: rewarding when you know that you've been a part of that. So tell us, uh, kind of, uh, run along here. So, but t- go ahead and tell us where we can find out. About your JV program and anything else you want people to know about that, where they can find you online.
2: Sure, yeah. Um, my, my JV program, I think I described it today, uh, I believe that, uh, the best way to learn is to do. Yeah. And, uh, the JV program is an opportunity to do that. We just started one just, uh, last week, in fact, two weeks ago. Uh, but we do them, uh, you know, several times a year. And you go to my website, which is joeasamoah.com. Joe, J-O-E-A-S-A-M-O-A-H.com. And, uh, I do do, uh, in other training programs throughout the year, uh, on specific topics, whether it be tennis screening, uh, whether it be on the section eight, because some people, they're not interested in learning the whole thing. They've got a house. They want to learn about section eight. That's all they're interested in. Uh, so we have a course on that. If someone's just saying, look, uh, I just want to learn how you do screening bet. Okay. So we have a course on that. Uh, I want to know how to raise money, uh, so I can do deals. Yeah. You know, so we have these specific courses, uh, on there. Um, you know, you go to my social media, Instagram and Facebook, uh, Joe DR, my, uh, what's it called? Handle is, uh, DR Joe Asimo,
1: Dr. Joe Asimo. Uh, and you, you've really blown up on, uh, Instagram because, um, just a couple of years ago, I think you had about ten percent or twenty percent of the amount of followers I've had. Now you have 60 uh, percent more than I have. Uh, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. So, yeah. I think uh, uh,
1: I think leveraging uh, bigger pockets has really been good for your Instagram following. Yes, uh,
2: yeah, so I you know I try to to help out. I'm I'm just all about giving. I'm about about helping. Uh, I do have a Wealth Wednesdays every Wednesday at seven p.m. Eastern Time. It's uh, on Instagram and also Facebook. It's free.
1: And um, is that on meetup.com too? I feel like I get uh, emails I from meetup for there, it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
2: up there. And uh, so Mike, uh, that's we talk about. We pick a topic and we talk about it. I provide quality content, not fluff. And you know, we'll go deeper into certain subjects. And I'm trying to do more videos this year. And
1: um, are you still doing the um, Facebook Lives with Bigger Pockets? Yes, yeah. yeah. Uh
2: No, well, we no, they, they they've gone through a few. I used to do uh, uh, what's it called Facebook Lives with yeah. Bigger oh. Pockets. But I think they've gone through some changes there, so that's not going on. Okay, uh, but I do have the Wealth Wednesdays uh, on my Instagram and Facebook platforms. So check me out, and uh, if I can be of assistance, you can also reach me on my uh, emails info info at joasmr.
1: Yeah, and guys, reach out to him. Joe's just a wealth of knowledge, and he's one of the most uh, humble and honest guys you're ever going to meet in this industry. Um, I've always found him extremely helpful to bounce ideas off of. So anyways, uh, we will head on out here, and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the DC
0: Real Estate Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you want to contact the hosts, reach out to them at info at dcrealestatepodcast.com. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show wherever you access your podcasts.